Hey, Culture Hackers. It's Robbie Richman here with Jill. Hey, Robbie. What's going on? What's up? I'm so excited for this. Love podcasting. Well, apparently you're you, you need a little rehab for all the all the mocha choca bullshit that you put into your body, right? Is that what's What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Jeez, we, we're really starting wacky today. Uh, this is a podcast with with just Jill and I. We've got more guests coming up next, but this is where we're just going to riff about whatever's on our minds that we find really interesting about culture, business, and the world. You up for this, Jill? Totally up for it. Awesome. Totally up for it. Awesome. Cool. Well, as you know, I just got back from Vegas. And I got to say, you know, when I was there last time, it's really been pumped up as this big entrepreneurial city. And it is. There's a lot of ventures and Tony Shea's doing the downtown project. You know what I think the next big hub is for startups? It's going to be huge. Yeah. You mentioned it to me, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit. Does anyone want to live in Detroit? But here's the thing is like, it's got that kind of, you know, Seattle early grunge kind of feel to it of that something is starting that's mm-hmm. big and that it's um it it's got a real passionate community mm-hmm. passionate community of artists and entrepreneurs you can buy a house for nothing so you can live a good lifestyle when otherwise you'd be just surviving on ramen in any other city so the good thing about the good thing about the downtown las vegas project is you have someone like tony shea who's really throwing a lot of money hoping that that starts to attract some interesting talent. What's happening in, in, in Detroit? I've just seen these really cool web pages of these initiatives. They're, put, they're putting like all this money into new startups that are going there, all these in art initiatives. It just seems like the amount of passion and energy combined with how cheap it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just predicting right now that you're going to hear of a lot of really cool, innovative art and startups coming out of there because it's going to be the really hungry ones. And they've got such a strong sense of community going that they're all going to be supporting each other. So a little bit like the the Berlin of of the U.S., right? Just cheap, you know, cheap to set up business, cheap to live, you know, still having a, a thriving or interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Culture Hackers, if you've got some big idea and you want to get a strong supportive community, uh, actually reach out to me, Robert at CultureBlueprint.com, because I do have a friend on the ground there who's doing some really cool stuff and is hooked up with that community. So cool. um, yeah, but, but Vegas was good and I caught up with Tony. Mm-hmm. Shay, CEO of Zappos, and we we debriefed on some of the the holacracy stuff that's going on. And um, you know, I've got to say, I've heard from my friends who've said that Tony's been really vulnerable and authentic on stage, and has said to, to the whole company that that it's not all working, and we've got to try some different approaches. and And people have really felt that that he's sincere in that. And mm-hmm. and it certainly sounds like there's a lot to clean up. They haven't really figured out compensation entirely, and and all these other aspects. And and I have to imagine that there's so much time going into figuring this out that I wonder what kind of drag it's going to have on the business itself. Well, that was the other follow-up question I had for you is what, what did you predict the kind of drag it was going to have in terms of just really trying to challenge the, the operation, right? The, and the flow. And so, you know, you've got activity that's just on a slump because people are trying to reestablish how right. they have dealt on a communication level on a building some kind of rapport and building some kind of foundation on their own survival in the company. What, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And the thing that, that I, that, that really got through to him that I was telling him about was that, you know, the way these kind of changes work, it's 10 to 20% of the people who really drive it. And that the worst thing that you can do is try to make everybody do it. Instead, focus all the energy resources, et cetera, on the people who are really getting it. 
and then they lead the way Mm -hmm. and other people want to do it if it works. And if it doesn't, then there's something to look at. But trying to make the entire company do it and penalizing people for not, I don't think is the right approach. And he seemed pretty pretty open to that. So I think at this point, they're really open to experimenting as to what's going to work. And I'm, I'm curious because I could seriously go, see it going either way. I could see this mm. just tanking the company, um, just distracting from all work, profits and revenue going down. Um, or he could be on the next big thing. And I think to, what Tony's been known for, especially just even coming to, ga- to Vegas in the first place, is gambling. Yeah. And this is a big gamble. And Huge I think it, it turns him on over the, from that angle. Well, and, and putting all money on, you know, on X is like not just big gambles. It's like come on board with this big decision. Everybody come on board with this big decision. Right. 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 So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to keep on tapping into this and see what's going on. And um, we will keep abreast of that for all you culture hackers getting the inside point of view so i want to talk business models sure yeah okay so you're working on uh yeah uh, you, you want to give your your update first because last last podcast we were uh talking about you at rhubarb and where, where are you at right now so we're two weeks into the process mm-hmm. um I keep calling it the George Costanza of of companies, right? At least for me, right? It was do the complete opposite of everything you did before and it will probably work. What? What do you mean? <laughs> like what have you done totally opposite? Like build agile, release an MVP, you know, all the things that you know to do. I mean, I, I got caught up in a, a in a melee of, of everything that could go wrong in a company. And I've said, here are all the lessons that I learned. So good. It's like an MBA. Totally. Like here are all the lessons I learned from setting up the company to distribution of profits to slicing the pie before we'd raise money to going the big the big law firm route right. to um, expending lots of resources and energy and rebranding to I mean you name it to building a product before we'd really tested it then having to go back and re-engineer the entire product again so every step. I'm doing the complete opposite of, and and I and I'm grateful because I think Rhubarb Studio, which we discussed on the podcast, in some way, shape, or form, is allowing me to do that from the product stage. Yeah, and it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. So I can say we're two weeks in. We're now starting to code. Wireframes ready. We're ready to release this this product, this MVP, in two weeks, so which cool. is crazy. Yeah. Um. And we've already started to be incredibly clear what about about what our value proposition is. And I, I don't think that we would have had that kind of clarity if we didn't go if we didn't go through this process. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So um Well you've already got a built in audience for your product with all the oh, listeners of Culture and Hackers I, and we're gonna announce it and they're just gonna swoop up behind you. They're gonna swoop up behind me and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Yeah. So no name yet, but uh but next podcast we'll have one. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I, I've just had such a recent fascination with business models of um, my friend Joey Coleman turned me on to it, where he started to say, uh, the, talked about this book, The Automatic Customer. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. it? It's so good. It talks about all these recurring revenue models right. of, from Netflix to gyms to even car washes are doing it now where it's this membership model. And it's, it's funny to me because that's the original reason I was called into Zappos was to create a membership site. Interesting. Yeah, but we threw that away to do all these events. And I think it's just so relevant right now because the, the technology is much better. The transparency is much more there. People really want to focus on the value as opposed to the, um, the transaction. 
mm-hmm. you know, like the, 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 I'm personally sick of it speaking, um, where I, I just go in, I, I have a big speech and then I don't really work with them again. I mm-hmm. want to create a real recurring relationship. And, um, and so I'm fascinated with this. There's this book, uh, the membership economy by mm-hmm. Robbie Baxter, really good. Another one called subscription marketing. Mm-hmm. So I've just been digesting all this. I might even do a speech on it because I think every business needs to start thinking of, of recurring revenue models, um, to go from a transaction based economy to a full relationship based. Well, on the flip side, right? The whole notion of building a recurring revenue model, or at least in the, in the gym's case, it's half of those people aren't going to come back again and they're not even going to notice that it's debited from their account. So there is, that's the dark side. There's the, I think, the, so I'm, I hate to sort of lean in on the dark side, but there's that, but I think that's that, that won't hold for a lot of other industries. A lot of other ones, this is going to hold you to the fire that if people are going to pay every month, they're going to need to see value. Right. So you can't get away with it. I think about it like, you know, if you, if you buy a car that you're really not happy with, you're kind of stuck with it for a while. Whereas mm-hmm. with the membership model, if you're not getting value every month, there is a big threat that somebody's just going to cancel it. And it makes you say, are we really But there's a tipping value? point number in that regard, right? What do you mean? Well, you know, seven ninety nine comes out of your bank account every you might not notice. Right. $135 comes out of your bank account once a month, you'll start noticing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it challenges you if you're at the higher level to really deliver a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and she was saying, yeah, there are things that I've bought that I really love that I just never went back to. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about our healers, uh, David and Heather at zenrosegarden.com. Um, amazing. And we were talking about them potentially moving into a subscription model. And my friend Holly said, yeah, I, 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 I love it, but I don't always go back every month. Mm-hmm. So this, this would encourage you to, and I think, um, I don't know. I guess this is, this is my latest business pornography. Really, yeah, go for of it. Just, you know, drooling over the business model. I've, I've, I was taking some notes. So you culture hackers who, who don't want to read all three books, I'll share with you some of the, the insights I've had, which are that um, everybody loves recurring revenue, for one. It's reliable. How nice is it to have reliable revenue? That there's, there's data that you have there. By having people constantly interacting, you get to pull them. You have a relationship with them. Um, you can upsell them. You can cross-sell to them other products and services, other people's. Um, it it just develops. I, I guess I keep getting obsessed with this word relationship because I think everything is so networked right now. All these social networks, everything is networked together. And the companies that are going to have the strongest relationships with their customers are going to be the ones who win. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I talked about it before. The Habit Conference, did I talk about that? No. So the Habit Conference, I went up to San Francisco two years ago to this thing called the Habit Conference, which is, it's basically a bunch of developers who are trying to figure out how to make their games addictive, like literally addictive. Oh, yeah. You know, and they they just want that so badly, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, Vegas knows this better than anybody. If you go to the slot machines in Vegas now, notice when you play the slot machines that they make you feel like you're winning even when you're losing. Mm-hmm. They'll make the sounds and they'll say, you just won 60 cents, but you just spent a dollar. So you, won, you lost 40 but cents. But you need this, no, this, no, this idea of a quick reward yeah. has to happen. The, the dopamine only- hit, the rush. Yep. It, it is, but it's so funny because they're all trying to engineer it. Mm-hmm. And everybody who went up there and said they did it, they didn't program it that way. They reverse, it's like they reverse engineered their yeah. own business and said, oh, here's how we did it. Here's the model. But to program in this behavior, I haven't seen it really work. It's more like they discovered accidentally or they're focused on something else. Did you read The Power of Habit? Love The Power of Habit. Yeah. Love it. Great book. And, you know, the, the one guy who was so amazing, I'm forgetting his name. Jeez, I should really mention it. Um, he's one of the, the original um, 
uh, funders of Facebook and a bunch of other ventures. And he said, look, this is the thing you got to think about in terms of achieving mass success. And he said, stop thinking about growth. Mm-hmm. He said, there is one figure you need and that's retention. Retention. It doesn't matter how small, you know, Facebook, you couldn't get on it at first. You needed to, to start small. And, and that this whole idea that people want to go big and grow and really, and how do we get the name out there? And how do we go fast? If you've got something good, you want to slow that down. Look, I mean, I've said this to you, we're, you know, I'm in the world of mobile payments mm-hmm. and anyone that is considered potentially a competitor in the restaurant space, that retention number, that reuse number, I have to tell you the churn is something like 80, 90%. Someone uses it, pays, and then never goes back again. And that is the one thing that we are just laser focused on. Yeah. Are yeah. there any, are there any tips you can share of what you've, how you're going to hack that? We are trying to create, sure. I mean, we're trying to create, we're building a discovery engine before we're building our payment solution, right? Which is a is, is starting to tell the customer what they want, learn, understand, tell the customer what they want, mm. and then end up telling them, and now you can pay for it, but really customize it so it becomes sticky for them and creating all of these wins in the process as they're trying to discover what it is that they want, at least on the restaurant side. So quick, quick wins. Yeah. So how, how are you going to make this real as opposed to theoretical? Like once this MVP comes out, are you, are you going to be like on the street with somebody watching them use it? Like, or like how are you going to make this real? It's a good question. Can I come back to it? Because yeah. I can tell you all about it, but I almost prefer to come back next next week and give you and share with you some of our comedic mistakes comedic mistakes brilliant perfect and we'll be on the street with it <laughs> Where, i'll be on the street one of those it. sandwich boards that have your app i'll be with fi- i personally will be doing that flip thing you know <laughs> oh, yeah. like come over here and then it like points and it like drops on the ground and i'm like oh by the way here i have this app do you want to see it do you want to try it do you want to play with it i'll be like, like jill you, you you can't get the qr code when you're flipping that sign all i can't even take a picture of it I will not do any of those things. You will not see me on the side of like Pico and Fairfax doing that. Maybe then, you then you're not dedicated. I mean, if you're not willing to be out there, ask me in two weeks. You with, don't know how much leg I'm willing to show. I might be willing to yeah. show a lot of leg. You know, I think about it. Remember Bill Clinton when he first ran, and in that the movie Primary Colors, they showed it where he's he's. Uh, He's in the rain, you know, shaking hands with people as they're going to get elected. Just like he was willing to give everything. It was an amazing campaign. Totally. Yeah. It's like the Katy Perry of campaigns, you know, oh. like all, all bust up front. <laughs> <laughs> you like that analogy? Anyway. I do. I do. But can I just say one thing? Yeah, go for it. Just because I thought it was the best case study. Do you remember in The Power of Habit when they talk about Febreze? Yeah, but go ahead and say it. Well, just that, you know, the original... The original launch of the product Febreze was to cover up and mask smells, Mm -hmm. right? To pet smells and, you know, dirty smells. But they realized the only way to really capture their, 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 their user was that people love to spray Febreze after they'd cleaned a room. So it was this reward, right? They realized that almost like the habit of cleaning the room and to close that like experience was to spray Febreze. And they changed their audience from messy people to clean clean people. people. It changed their audience. It changed all of the channels that they were, you know, communicating that message to it. It changed their story. It, you know, it didn't change their product by any means, but that, that is such an interesting thing that like the habitual behavior of a clean person is to say, and let me spray. Right. And it's true because I do the same thing. Yeah. So your app is going to make your bathroom smell better. Totally. Oh, sweet. On top of everything else. (laughs) 
Well, we're the everything of everything, right? And then you can pay for it. It's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for you to go public with it. Thank you. It's going to be cool. So you had some things you want to talk about with business models. The um, Last we talked about Uber and the... Um, the independent contractor world and how we're developing this feudal system of class divisions and um, yeah and you know it unfortunately I had read an article and then I tried to find it because I sent it to you which was this so in addition to this notion of being a feudal class you're actually looking at this feudal class who also has to think about their banking and cash flow decisions right so there was this great article about this bank which is now and 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 they're working they're working with uber they're working they're not working directly with the individual. They're allowing the individual to get cash up front. In other words, they're they're getting a payout for a drive that they've done yeah. within a day as opposed to 15 days. Right. And it's so amazing that as you start looking at the entire ecosystem of this feudal class, then you have to build in sort of who's owning the cash flow, who, who's, who's enabling sort of cash flow, because that's a big deal for a student who's driving and they're and they're... And they're living off of that cash as opposed to waitressing, which is you get immediate cash yeah, or a filmmaker who needs that cash up front. Right. Yeah. And um, it just, it's just interesting to look at that ecosystem, right? And, and, how, and all the touch points of that ecosystem. It was just something that I was like thinking about. It's like I wanted to build an infograph of like who's your Uber driver in, in particular cities, right? Right. And they always seem like great people. You know? They're always great people, but you know, in LA, they're Some real protesting. estate, real estate. You know, they're in real estate, or they're LA, or or they're the, or they're directors in in New York. They're it's just who is who is that person who is like underemployed that is just filling that underemployment with some kind of on contract on demand service that they can right right yeah it's really cool. I still haven't gotten my Uber license. I've been thinking about trying that out and just from a cultural perspective and seeing what that's like. Yeah. What are you going to do when you get it? Um, I'm going to keep my book in the back. My, my, my objective is to just learn, but also to make it a really great Uber experience. So I asked some friends, what makes it great? They're like the small water bottles or the phone chargers, all kinds of different phone chargers. So you just plug in your phone as you're going there, you know, and I'd love to, to figure out what is the ultimate Uber experience to create for somebody, but also include my book back there to say, you know, if it's somebody who is at a company, like they might take a look at it and then we'd have a conversation with that and it could be a lead driver. Is there a way to do it without being super pushy? Cause I, well, that's exactly it you just put it back there if they make a comment you right. talk about it if they don't you don't even bring it up right the, so. the other piece of the if you just want to know when when uber let taps into my spotify and i can choose what's playing in the car is, they do yeah whoa yeah wow just fyi <laughs> let people choose what they're listening to and not your not your <laughs> podcast <laughs> that would be hysterical it's what are you my playing? voice on the stereo. What are you playing, you narcissistic driver? Oh, this is my book and this is my podcast. <laughs> You're not going to get any recurring revenue out of that. Just P.S. Just saying. Good point. Thanks. Thank you. I'm going to write that down. Um, so, and then the, uh, you've got to tell me why this fascinates you. You're, you're very fascinated with Pinterest's recent development. Oh, Pinterest basically saying that they're now allowing you to push the I want to buy it button? Yeah. Well, I think you're right in saying I'm surprised they haven't done this sooner. I think yeah. everyone was surprised they haven't done this sooner. It's like, wow, finally Pinterest knows how to make money. Uh, and and they've, become, they've become the source of discovery. I mean, the go-to source of discovery. Yeah. So, A, 
I think the whole idea of being enabled to say, I want to build a recipe. Here's the recipe list. And I can also have it delivered in 45 minutes and I can have it on the table. is kind of amazing to me, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I clearly am interested in the world of instant gratification, right? <sighs> because right. I'm building a company that's all around instant gratification. Yeah. So I think, I think Pinterest is really going to, like Pinterest is, is, was absolutely at the right place at the right time with all of this incredible user data on what people's likes and interests are. And it's the how to spend it model as far as I'm concerned, truly how to spend it. Like you create this aspirational Pinterest board Mm. and you can say, I want to redecorate my entire house like this and I can do it immediately is pretty amazing (laughs) to me. Right. And I wonder if they'll do the kind of, because what I love about Uber, of course. How quickly are people going to go broke? Right. Like, I wonder if they're going to set it up so that, you know, the thing I love about Uber is I don't take my wallet out. Right. You know, I just get in a cab and get out. Maybe when I hit that buy button on Pinterest, I'm not going to have to take my credit card out. That's the problem. It's just going to show up. You're going to get a bitch slap statement, right? (laughs) That's the whole, this is the whole psychology of like, isn't this fascinating? I can have instant gratification. And yet, I've just spent $5,000 on remodeling my home, and I did it without even looking at a bill. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. I think uh, it's exciting. You're not excited? You're scared? I'm scared and you're excited. You're for yourself, like you're going to just buy all that stuff? No, because that's, that's actually not how I... Mm. That's not how I consume certain things. Like food, yes. Uh, reservations and booking, Yes. But I'm, my buying behavior is not akin to someone who would build an entire Pinterest board of lamps and desk tables and, and menus, yes. But I, I wouldn't buy something that was, a, that was a ticket price higher than $100 like that. I'm yeah. notorious. It's quick gratification so for what's, me. So what's on your next buy list? What do you want to buy? Big buy list? Anything. You tell me and I'll think about it. What's on your buy list? Ooh. Just, hmm. What is, I just bought these fancy earphones that we're wearing, liking these. That the dogs that ate? The, <laughs> yes, that they ate and I've replaced the wire from. Um, but next, that's, that, you know, I've got, I've got an entire Trello board. Mm-hmm. If anybody, if, if you haven't used Trello, you've got to check this out. Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O.com. It's an online Kanban board, which means you can move all these cards around. And I use it from everything from my to-do list, which has a, a to-do column, a, do, a doing, a waiting for, a done, an errands column. And I just move over the cards. It's the most fun to-do list I've ever had. But it's also a great kind of vision boarding tool or back burner kind of tool. And I have one list in there that's called um, uh, Someday Maybe. And it's got all that kind of wish list stuff. So on the on that bigger side, there's certainly a flotation tank, uh, sensory deprivation <laughs> flotation tank. I in mean, your house? Oh yes. You need Neverland Ranch for that. No, no, they're not that big. I mean, you just need a room. You just need a small little room. Right. And I mean, these things are have gone down in price. From, I mean, there's real expensive ones are still twenty grand. But it uh, talk about a talk about experiencing the culture of you. These tanks are just. No vision, no sound, no feeling, no nothing, just pure. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, when your computer gets all fakakta and yeah. you hit, you just reset. That's what this does. It's like you're hitting a reset button on your own body and mind and soul. And who wouldn't want that in their house? Right now, I got to drive all the way over to Woodland Hills. I think the whole process of driving to Woodland Hills is a great one. You should drive, <laughs> get a reset. You shouldn't have like, 
that to me is putting narcissism in your house. <laughs> you can see, I just feel it's so self-indulgent for me to like jump into this flow. T- I don't know why that to me. Wow. Me, that to me would feel the most self-indulgent thing to have in my house. I mean, we could really go into this here, Jill. I mean, I think this I think this says more about you than the flotation tanks. Maybe it does. And your your lack of self-indulgent, self-pampering, self-care that I think you need and deserve. Oh, Robbie, that's super sweet. That's yes. super sweet. Having but said but that, I am narcissistic. Kind of. <laughs> a little bit. But having said that, I would say the the on my list is always experiences. Mm. Okay, what's the next experience? Japan. Japan. What what specific like where do you envision yourself? What's the picture you can paint for us? What's the cultural experience that you want? To oh, have? it's like the entire getting hit, like my head being hit with like every taste, smell in Tokyo, and mm. then like sitting in a temple in Kyoto, and but really like sitting in a like sitting in a bar in in Tokyo to me sounds like what I had a really incredible bar in Tokyo. I, yeah. That to me is like what I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Cool. For. Like, like a loss in translation kind of scene. Maybe, maybe. So your email is richmond.jill at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Okay. So if you want to take Jill to Japan, Oh, Richmond. absolutely. Dot Jill at gmail.com. Yes. And I show leg. Okay. So you, you, no, no promises, but you'll, you'll dress. I'll show leg. You'll dress totally very show leg. Okay. Got it. Got it. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Just happy happy plug. To, to plug you. Um, that sounded bad. I'm not happy. That sounded really bad. Happy to plug you. That just sounds weird. Yeah. Can we change yeah. the subject? Okay. Let's Flip change. the page. Yeah, this is getting uncomfortable. Um, oh, so some another purchase that I'm really recently happy with yeah. is um, my Hoka's. My Hoka running shoes. Have you heard of these Hoka running shoes? No. H-O-K-A. They're amazing. They're these Hoka. I had them before, but I didn't like them. But I got this this new one that's that's been well-reviewed by Runner's Magazine called the Hoka Clifton. And it's basically the exact opposite of minimalist running. Because with the minimalist, like these, these Vibrams that I have on, these yeah. five fingers, I love that for walking around. They're so grounding. But when I ran with these, I basically injured my knee. Oh, I nearly broke my back. I mean, right. So, not, but you like, saw that there was a lawsuit, right? You could have, really? did you see that? There's no. a payout now for, wow. yeah, you should might want to file something. <sighs> Incredible. Yeah. All of the claims that Vibram has. They had to just stop that. Oh, absolutely. And also I'm just saying, if you maybe want to get a little payout for your Vibrams. I'm sure it'll be like 30 cents. Right. I mean, I felt like my legs were broken. Yeah. And so these these are basically like having a mattress under your foot, like a mattress with some springy trampolines under it. And I've been running in them, and usually by mile one, my feet are hurting, and by mile three, my knees start to go. Mm-hmm. And these are just so well-designed and so light that I don't feel it. Those I'll buy. Right? I'll add those to my list. Yeah. Yeah. That I'll buy. Yeah. Okay. We'll take this offline because I might... that. I'll add that to my Pinterest list or something. I'm just kidding. No, I'll just go straight to Amazon <laughs> and make my life easier. Uh, yeah. 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 What are you eating? What are you drinking these days, Robbie? We always know that you have something up here. Um, I've been experimenting more with the intermittent fasting where I don't always have like a, 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 a breakfast or I'll have, I'll still do the bulletproof here and there. I've been experimenting with rather than bulletproof coffee, bulletproof yerba mate, which was quite the buzz and quite the drop off. I got to say, um, and then your uh, bulletproof matcha green tea, which was just nice. I didn't quite notice anything, but um, um, it was good. Are I, you I, interested I, in going to my bone broth fasting? I'm not. 
Maybe. I definitely like the bone broth. I've been really liking bone broth. It tastes it tastes like it's nourishing on this deep soul level. It is. And so I've been doing, I did do a 30-day like intermittent, for, so two days a week yeah. that I'd fast with bone broth, only bone broth. And I got to say, like, I don't really look for little, I don't look to cheat, right? I sort of feel like I don't believe in all of these mechanisms of, of cheating the body. Just eat good food, eat healthy, eat yeah, regularly, yeah. all of those things. But this was amazing. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. And so the whole idea is that, you know, like your skin looks better, collagen replenishment. I'm going to believe in... Yeah. You know what I have really been noticing is the idea of um, um, emotional eating and how I read this thing from the cleanse diet, I think it was, that said when you feel a hunger come on really strong and immediate and you have to have it, then it's emotional. Yeah. Like that actual hunger comes on slowly. But if you get a sudden, and I've had that, and it's amazing to me how... I just always have to be aware of it. It's like when I'm done with my email and I have to do a project and suddenly I have to have chocolate. It's like I just have to. It's weird. It just feels it in my in my body, in my gut. And the thing that I know happens, if I fulfill on that, if I do it, if I go have the chocolate, I'll eat it. And you know what? Suddenly I just don't feel that interested in the project. You really? don't feel that passionate about it. You know what? I can do it later. And so now well, like if I'm conscious enough and if I have the willpower, what I'll do is I'll recognize it. I'll do at least a step or several on whatever that project is and then notice if I still have the hunger because oftentimes I won't. Interesting. So if I do, I'll do it. I'll just eat the freaking chocolate. But if I, if, when it comes on, just all of a sudden, like, whew, it's not hunger. It's emotions. It's totally emotions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll eat that chocolate too. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I recommend a 30-day cleanse so that you don't get that addictive behavior and that immediate rush, which is totally emotional. Yes. Just cut it off at the knees, so to speak. Yes. Cut. Did I ever tell you when I did the love cleanse? Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. This What's is it? the cleanse of all cleanse. I learned it from Martin uh, Masson Kip of the Daily Love. I met him at a Tony Robbins event, and, and after it, we were hanging out and talking. We we're both kind of coaching each other, and he's like, "You got to do the love cleanse." And I literally, my my hand gripped the table in fear because I just knew something really harsh was coming. And he said, "This is how you reset, like the reset button on on everything, really." But but. It, it, it gets you so in touch with your emotions because what you do is you clear out everything that you can distract an emotion with. So it was no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, no drugs, no sex, no dairy, no, I mean, nothing fun. No, and no Facebook, no talking to crushes, no talking to exes, no flirting. That oh was my an God, interesting I did one. do that without being told. But <laughs> go ahead. I just felt, I just felt masochistic. But this was but, 30 days of... Yeah. Just not, and it's interesting to notice. Wait, I've, I've got. To, I'm going to flirt right now, but then I, I, I don't. Or I want to talk to somebody who's a crush or an ex, but I don't. And I want to turn on the radio in the car, but I don't. Or I want to check Facebook, but I don't. All these things that are oftentimes a response to an emotion I don't want to be feeling, and oftentimes that emotion is boredom. Right. And what happened was all this. At first, anger came up, a ton of anger that I was just like angry about everything. But by the second week. It was blissful. I mean, I would just, uh, you know, my, my biggest vice was really reading, and reading felt very active to me. It didn't feel like the book was reading me like the mm-hmm. TV can do it to you. Like, I had to actively work, you know, for that entertainment. Um, and it, it, it went so well that I, I even went beyond the 30 days after another, almost another week of it because I was just enjoying it so much. And then I've told other people, and without telling people to do it, several people have been like, I got to do that. I got to do that. And they did, and they loved it. 
So how did you reintroduce anything into your life afterwards? Slowly. And of course it all comes back. <laughs> all of it. Well, so then what's the benefits? I guess. Because it's more of an awareness now. It's an awareness. It's definitely an awareness. So like resetting I, your intentions. Yeah. Sort of. Right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I think that it, like we don't, we don't always get programmed as much as we get conditioned. And I think that, um, you know, like I'm, I'm conditioned in all these ways, but I have an awareness of it and something will flag me back. I'll be like, you know what? I'm checking Facebook a lot today and it's cause I'm avoiding these other things I need to do. And you know, I, then I, we all have the choice whether we go with it or we don't. I really, you know what I tried to do? I deleted the Facebook app from my phone, but now I check it on the web browser. Yeah. All the time. I've done that too. Yeah. Yeah. I did that too. It was really good for me. It's good if you don't go to the web browser, Facebook all the time, which I do. At so. least you're reminded when you go. You're like, remember the reason why I deleted this? <laughs> I'm bored. I'm yeah. going to actively be bored on Facebook right now. At least, at least there's, some, there's something consciously that's happening well, right? instead of passively. Yeah, and I think it Maybe. helps if there's time constraints or something. I recently saw my healers, David and Heather, and they were saying, I was talking about how my mind went into this dark place. And they were saying, look, here's what you do. Set a timer for five minutes. Go as absolutely dark, depressed, sad, angry, whatever it is that you want for five minutes. And then it's done. It's over. Because he's like, if you don't, you go so deep that you'll just get stuck in that. And this idea of time boxing, I think, is really cool. Oh, I got to tell you, one thing that Rhubarb Studios has introduced to my life is time boxing. Everything that we do is totally built around, we do a Mm stand-up, it's time boxed. We do our business model canvas, it's time boxed. We've got 15 minutes, got to get up there, rapid, 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 and then it's done. And it's truly changed a lot of my behavior it sounds so silly that i usually should time box things you've got 90 minutes you go and you take a break for 20 minutes yeah. Nine, you've got 90 minutes you're done you take a break for 20 minutes really is changed my workflow it's incredible yeah i gotta get more disciplined about that and i think it applies in many different aspects like i was just talking about the zappos training program to one of my clients and i said you're in this time box of four weeks of training where you get all the mentorship you need all the support answer any question because you know after that you're going to be thrown into the field. Um, so you have that four weeks to really learn as much as, as possible. Right. Um, so I'd be, you've heard of the concept of the Pomodoro, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's an app for a grade called Pomodoro. And, um, you know, I, I, I heard um, a guy who tested a lot of them out. He said it was something like 12 minutes on, five minutes off was his best. Mm. But the one I've been experimenting with on the app is um, 25 minutes on, five minutes off. Hmm. And, um, it's amazing. And it's amazing how much like you really have to force yourself to take that break. You have to, it's for me. I have to force myself. Yeah. And, and I love that. Like our team is basically like, go take a break. Right. And I'm like, Oh, what do I do? Should I go walk around the gym? Like what? And you could just, I'm the one in the office space that yeah. is like the most reluctant <laughs> to take a break. Right. Like everyone's like out and they're totally in it. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with myself for right. 20 minutes. Totally. But it's great for, and, and I think it's really good for me and it's super productive. It is. Yeah. I think I need to get a Sharpie and write it on my hand. Like time box. Time box. Yeah. Yeah. Or Pomodoro or something. Or maybe I need to write several things on my hand. Cause sometimes these things just come down to a lack of memory. Like I was coaching this guy who's the client, um, in Vegas and he was talking about how they set all these goals and then they don't accomplish them or they'll accomplish like 30% of them. And he said, he, he's as the leader, he's so frustrated. Why don't we get more done? Why don't we complete these? I want more. I want these done faster. And I said, where do the goals live? And he says in this software program, and he starts talking about this software program that's behind this closed wall of this thing. And I'm like, so your goals live in this place where people barely even see them. 
And I said, you got to literally put them on your walls and put them in a place and even like a Kanban style that shows it's not done. And for a visual reminder, every right. single day that you see that, like it reminds me about how Mark Zuckerberg, when they got their new Facebook office, they, he tore down the ceiling tiles and like they pulled out some wires and stuff so you could see everything because he said, I don't want anybody to get the feeling like we're done. Totally. You need to always have the feeling like we're not done. Yeah. No, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. We'll see how this, I mean, look, it's, and the fact that we're building a product and it has to be ready in the next two weeks, come hell or high water with a very clear time box. This is not a false, this is not a false alarm. Right. Has been incredibly productive to all of us. Yeah. And very clear goals in very clear focus. Yeah. It sounds so obvious. Well, it is in the sense too that like people, people discover this naturally. Like you hear about somebody have suddenly having twins you know, and they have like no time, but they, they have to get all those same things done and they do because they have to, but you know, there's that rule of project management. The task takes them out of the, the task takes up the amount of time time allotted to it. Right. So when that person allotted two hours from an eight hour day to two, he got it done. Right. And you know, I remember, um, this woman I knew in Vegas who was an air force pilot. I asked her, what's the most surprising thing you learned in the military that you wouldn't have expected before going into it? And she said, without skipping a beat, that you can get, there's so much that you can get done in 30 seconds. Hmm. And that blew me away. Like, whoa. Interesting. Wow. Well, we're going to have to do a 30-second podcast once. That would be interesting. Like, maybe we could record one and then have it sped up really fast. And you get yeah. it on in 30 seconds. And, okay. and you, we believe that your mind will take it in. And even though you can't remember any of it, you really did hear of it. And suddenly you start time boxing. You're like, well, I'm, I'm time boxing now. I don't even know why. Yeah. Done. <laughs> 30 seconds. Next one. Cool. Well, we've got, um, are we going to have the growth hacker on for future podcasts? I think we should. I'm going to, I'm going to ask. I think I'd like to get okay. the growth hacker on. We're going to have a growth hacker on. Um, next is also going to come up with some of my high school friends who are now in Hollywood producing. I haven't talked to them since high school when we were messing around on the newspaper together. So that should be an interesting, fun conversation. And, um, as always more of the episodes and notes are on culturehackers.com. Please go to iTunes and, and rate us or tell a friend and, and share it or just, Hey, Tell us what you think. We don't even know you guys. Like, we can't tell who you are. This is way different from... Yeah, and let me just... One big plug. Yeah. I was I was at the NRA conference, the National Restaurant Association conference. I always have to be explicit. Right. And this is a shout out to the reserve guys. Thanks for reaching out to me. I didn't even know you were listening to me. So please let us know who you are. Yeah, seriously. Like, we'll run into people and they'll just say, oh, we listen to the podcast and it's it can be really surprising um, so I'm Robert at cultureblueprint.com. Jill is richmund.jill at gmail.com. Let us know who you are. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's things you hate about it. Um, anything. We're just so open to the feedback and we're grateful that you're here with us and listening. And have a good day. Have a great day. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks. Bye.